inside CompTrain, uh, we have, my gosh, um, we spent the last year um, to like 12 to 18 months positioning ourselves for this moment right now, mm-hmm. for fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot coming down the pipeline for CompTrain. Um, we've purposely kind of been, it might sound weird, but we've been purposely trying to stay underneath the radar um, to allow ourselves to dial in our products, our services, and this kind of new, again, kind of new wave of what we want to bring out. Um, um, so I'll tease one specifically. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. As always, I am here with Mr. Ben Bergeron. How are you doing, bud? Good. Thanks, Pat. Today we're going to dive back into my Instagram DMs and do another uh, two-minute drill, which is when um, listeners send us questions and you attempt to answer them within two minutes, sometimes comically so because they are not often built for two-minute answers, but that's that's at least part of my fun. Ah. Um, And so that's what we're going to do again today. Um, So the questions we've got here are certainly within the realm of things that we talk about uh, normally, but they are otherwise pretty random. First question we've got. What do you suggest somebody does when the only box in town, the only gym in town, disappears? How do we fill the void? Working out at home or even meeting up with other former athletes just isn't the same. And a little bit of context, her gym um, closed down due to everything going around COVID. So um, she's kind of stuck without a a gym now. And I I imagine she's not the only one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's... it's, um... It's certainly not a unique situation, unfortunately, that a lot of CrossFit gyms are um, struggling, closing their doors, hopefully not for good, and hopefully yep. there's a rebound and they come back. But um, let's assume that it doesn't come back. My suggestion would be grab the things that you miss. So it's probably not necessarily a facility. is probably not the thing you miss the most. I like that you said that you got, kind of grabbed some former uh, people before, but it's still not the same. And my guess is that what you're missing is the, the kind of structure um, to the class. My mm. suggestion would be grab your buddies and together hire a coach and then go to someone's driveway, go to a park, um, go to a, whatever it might be that you can um, bring your equipment to and have a coach lead you through a class. So let's say every um, every weekday at the same time that you were going to meet up anyway, you hire that coach and believe me, that coach can be psyched. You're going to hire that coach and everyone's uh, you know going to commit whatever it is, um, 15 bucks to the class, you know, you get five, six, seven people coach walks away with between 70, hundred bucks, um, per class the coach is pumped. You're pumped. Um, everything is status quo. Love that idea. Next question. What tips do you have to go to bed with a clean mental state? I find that the second I lay down for bed, my mind starts racing about conflicts, fears, anxieties, etc. Because of that, I have a hard time falling asleep at night. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Talk about, this is a tough two minute one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm going to give, I have to give some hard hitting actionable stuff though. Um, the, the first one is it's not about what you're doing at night. It's what you're doing the rest of the day. Um, so you are caught up in the immediacy and the urgency of the moment. You are not looking at a big enough picture in a big enough, um, time frame. 
what you need to do is take the introspective look to make sure that you are living the life true to the values and who you want to be and that you are um, everything that you're doing is serving that purpose and not a distraction or throwing you off of course. And if you just are constantly responding to the immediacies of the to-dos, of the dings, the bill, the bells, the whistles, all of a sudden you don't have any time. You're caught up. You're listening to music. You're listening to the news. You're listening to your friends and the gossip. And when you get time to yourself, your mind is spinning. You need to create the space during the day to work through these things. Your mind is saying, we got to work through this stuff. We got to work through this. And you're not giving yourself the opportunity to do it at any other time because we're so caught up in the distractions of what's happening until the quiet moment happens. As Ryan Holiday would say, the stillness happens. And unfortunately, that's when you should be doing something else, aka falling asleep. So whether that's a morning routine, whether that's yoga, whether it's meditation, whether it's a long walk, um, create better routines and practices throughout the day. So when you get to bed, you can take that moment for what it's supposed to be. Yeah. What is the difference between being proud and being prideful in one's accomplishments? Cool question. Um, okay. Being proud means that you're doing it, um, for you. It's, um, serving who you want to become prideful is when you're doing it Um, simply because you want the recognition from other people. So it's an internal versus an external thing. If nobody knew about this at all and you still felt really good about it, that's pride. Mm. Um, If you don't feel good about it, unless you get the recognition from the crowd, that's prideful. We want to stay away from needing the accolades of the crowd. It should be for you and making you fulfilled. I recently bought. I'm doing pretty good with this two minutes. You're crushing it. Yeah, I I didn't want to jinx it. It was like it was like a pitcher throwing a no hitter. I didn't want to. I didn't want to mention it. Uh, Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I recently brought uh, bought a pair of lifters to compensate for poor ankle flexibility with heavy lifts, uh, heavy lifts, and I've noticed that I move much better with them on during Metcon workouts as well. Is it a bad idea to wear lifters during Metcon? Should I not do this and just wear my regular shoes to help stretch my ankles um, while doing movements like thrusters, wall balls, squatting, etc.? Okay, so um, Olympic lifting shoes raise your heel. It's, it's called the heel differential, the difference between your, the ball of your foot and the heel. Um, one of the reasons that lifting shoes work is because of that heel lift. Yep. It gives you greater mobility about your ankle. Um, for people with very stiff ankles, that can almost be a necessity for working <laughs> flexibility um, throughout movements because if you don't have any flexibility at all, you're not getting a stretch when you get to, let's say you have such limited mobility that your, your shin angle cannot travel forward at all when you squat. A squat then does not improve your ankle mobility. Yet, if you have a heel lift to it, now your shin can travel forward. Um, the, the short answer is yes, you can use lifters during Metcons. Now, the obvious, and I hope this is obvious, disclaimer, caveat to that is not when jumping, bounding, running, double unders, things like that. Like there's, that should be in a, a training shoe. All right. Next question. 
What advice would you give to someone who trains six days a week, roughly 50% on the road at hotels and the other 50% at a CrossFit gym? Would you treat this as two separate programs based on the limitations and opportunities of each venue? Or would you try to keep uh, the two aspects as closely aligned as possible? For example, adapting and scaling hotel workouts based on equipment to stay in step with the gym programming. The latter, the, the, the last one. Got it. Um, I would try to keep your, your hotel and, um, workouts outside in line with what the gym is doing, um, while you're not there. So I would look at the gym's program for the day and then just try to stay as closely mirrored to that as you could. Um, so that when you come back, you can go out those workouts the way you're supposed to. Otherwise you end up scaling and Mm -hmm. changing everything. Um, so it's better to do, so what you're then doing in this way, I think is like, you're doing a singular program, which is what we want to be doing. And 50% of the time you're doing it dialed. The other 50% of the time you're doing it at 25%. That's 75% of the program. Mm-hmm. That's better than 50% of a program and 50% of a program. Got it. Curious what your thoughts on options like a Peloton or a C2 bike are for supplementing CrossFit. And I think maybe it was a comparison question, but uh, but take it however you want to take it. Yeah, uh, I think Peloton's really cool. I, I dig it. I love the business model. I think that what they've done is um, similar to what CrossFit did, which is in terms in, in kind of revolutionized um, CrossFit revolutionized strength, conditioning, health. Um, they've kind of revolutionized uh, at home training. Yep. Um, which is phenomenal, um, to supplement. If the, if the question was to supplement CrossFit training, I would choose a C2 bike. Hmm. I don't know what this person's pursuits are, but, um, the C2 bike, you can do a lot more specific stuff that would help you in CrossFit as opposed to a Peloton, which is essentially almost always the same thing. I get sometimes they have you stand up, sometimes they sit down, different coaches go different stuff, but it's always this long, it's, they're all very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, a C2 bike, you could do, um, 20 calories as hard as possible, damper 10, no seat allowed, um, you know, times five with a minute and a half rest in between. I would talk about, um, availability to train for our sport. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more um, variance than a, than a Peloton. Got it. Uh, do elite athletes get injured? As a coach, how do you manage big ones and little aches and pains? Do you hit a point in time when it's go time uh, and no matter what the athlete has to train or compete through um, an injury? In other words, it's like, is there a period in the training season where you're like, okay, if it's a little nick, uh, we're, we're pushing through? Um, or is there always a, a time where it's like, okay, if we're, we're hurt, or in pain of some kind, we're going to slow down and stop. Yeah. Every, um, elite athlete experiences injuries. The security varies obviously, but every single athlete, whether you're, um, a tour de France rider, you're a power lifter, you're a CrossFit athlete, um, you're a high school cross country runner, like every single athlete is going to experience injuries. It's part of the game. So, um, our athletes are certainly no exception. We do try to mitigate them as much as possible. It's a huge consideration in our training program. Um, and, um, different times of the season do necessitate, uh, different precautions. Um, 
But the big idea for that is we always, the principle we always wanted to work with is to maximize the potential for adaptation today without sacrificing potential for adaptation tomorrow. Got it. So what that means is say, go as hard, use the words like go as hard as you can, do the best, hardest, biggest, heaviest movements you can today so that you can also do them tomorrow. It's kind of what's always going through my mind. Got it. Next question. Do competitive CrossFit, CrossFit athletes go through a bulk and cut phase during specific parts of the season, or do they t uh, tend to try and stay at around a certain body fat percentage all year? And perhaps worth uh, contextualizing what a bulk and cut phase is. Yeah. So um, bulk and cut comes from like, uh, think of it in terms of like bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. um, so they purposefully gain weight, um, you know, somewhere usually between like 20 and 30 pounds potentially. Uh, above their competitive weight, it's easier to gain mass and strength and muscles. And then coming up to their competitive event will cut down, um, you know, more like starvation type thing, get super, super lean. CrossFit athletes, um, I mean, the answer is yes and no. Um, it's not intentional. It's not purposeful. Um, but it is um, just a natural side effect. After the games, training volume goes down drastically as we try to recover we allow them to kind of like ease up off of the stringency of weighing measuring their food so there's more leniencies there the natural uh, side effect of that is they might gain three four or five pounds mm -hmm. but that's it it's not like they're going up 15 pounds and cutting 15 pounds but yes what a normal thing is for my athletes anyway is let's say um it's a male athlete like um after the games they might, um, in the next two months might gain four pounds, um, in the next, um, so if the games happen in August, normally, um, between, um, August, September, October, they might gain four pounds. So let's say they're 204 pounds that would come down to two, two Oh one, two Oh two over the next, um, several months up until about the month before the games. And then just the the training intensity and um, stress, honestly, of the games, um, they all drop. They all go to the games kind of like uh, a pound or two leaner than they're walking around weight normally. Got it. Next question. A coach at my gym makes controversial social media posts and it offends some members. How should it be handled? It, uh, it, it is super easy. Um, establish standards mm. and expectations. Um, if those aren't in place, it's a really hard conversation. There's going to be an emotional clash. I can almost guarantee it unless the person in that is quote unquote handling the situation is incredibly skilled at tactful conflict resolution. Um, the easier thing to do is establish um, um, agreed upon expectations and then just hold the standard. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's incredibly easy, but if there are no agreed upon ex expectations, it's a much harder conversation because, um, it's one person's perception versus another person's perception. And that never usually goes very well. Um, so having said that, I, I would encourage that conversation and I would encourage the standards. Um, if, if someone is making on, uh, posts that make members uneasy, that is representative of the gym. This whole idea between like, no, it's personal, it's work and all that yep. No, not anymore. No, 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 not anymore. Yeah. To the point where like my daughter who's on a, uh, you know, a D1 lacrosse team, they're not even allowed to have um, public accounts. Like what you post publicly 
represent more. I mean, <laughs> talk about Greg Glassman. Yeah. I mean, need I say more, right? Yeah. Like what you, what you post publicly um, represents more than just yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do you think the average hourly pay of a CrossFit coach should be? Should there be tiers based on formal education, like a college degree, number of certifications, and number uh, and, number, and years um, of coaching experience, or should all coaches out of box make the same hourly rate? Okay, that's I think that's like three questions. So let me yeah. see if I can bang them <laughs> off. Um, what should coaches be paid as an hourly rate? Yep. Um, I'm going to assume that's like while they're coaching, yep. so not like while they're doing administrative work. I would say coaching pay um, for most CrossFit coaches should be between, um, you know, I'm going to give a range because like um, if you're in rural Mississippi, it's not going to be the same as if you live in New York City. That's mm-hmm. what actually skews us more so than most of these things. Um, uh, if, let's say it's between $25 and $45 an hour. Mm-hmm. I think that's about in the range. Um, the next question was um, – Tiers based should on – Should be based yeah. upon – Based upon, yeah, should there be tiers based upon education, um, number of years? Um, yes, there should be tiers, but no, it should not be based on those things. Mm. Um, a coach, it should be based on how um, good the coach is. Like to me, like paying someone for their resume, I never understood this in the business world. You have a job, you leave the job to go get a, a master's degree, you come back and do your job again, and you get more money. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you are a better producer, the fact that you now have initials after your name, MBA, CSCS, level four, whatever it is, doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. It should be based upon your effectiveness as a coach. And that kind of leads to the last question of like, should they all be paid the same? No, they should not. Mm-hmm. That seems insane to me that you would pay everyone the same when somebody is an okay coach and someone is a phenomenal, terrific coach. Um, I think it's called communism, you know, <laughs> so um, I'm not in favor of that. <laughs> not in favor of that. How would you, just because we're talking about it and it's interesting, um, when you say, you know, pay them based on effectiveness, what do you in your gym, like, how do you, like, are there three things we're going to judge you and and based on how you do on these three things, we know you are either more or less effective than Johnny, who we've also determined is, you know, with these three metrics. How like effectiveness could easily be like, how do I feel like you are? And that that doesn't seem to me to yeah. be the the best approach. Um so effectiveness as a coach breaks down to uh five five different categories. Mm-hmm. It's your ability to lead a class, so manage groups, your ability to see and correct movements, your ability to teach movements, ability to appropriately demo, and ability to um, 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 presence and attitude. So being big, engaging, inspiring. I would even add a a, a fourth one, a sixth one in there, sorry, of um, ability to build relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, rally troops, get people to your class, um, have people trust you. Um, so that to me is what makes a good coach. And you can grade people specifically on each of those, um, five or six different categories. The other one, which I would add in is, um, how much do they exude the core values of your, of your gym? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I would pay based off, uh, I mean, we do, we reward based off that. I don't know if it's commensurate to, um, 
their pay, but um, that's more of a um, do you belong or not? And I think mm-hmm. that that has to be in a discussion here. Um, but in terms of um, pay scale, I would say it's the ability and those abilities break down to those six different categories. Got it. Cool. Next question. Why do some gyms have an on-ramp process as if you need to pay and, uh, and work to be ready to do CrossFit? Yeah. Um, so what the on-ramp process is in place to do, at least in our gym, is not to get you to learn the movements. You have a lifetime to learn the movements. Um, it's not to get you fit. It's not to get you, it's first and foremost to get you comfortable so to break down that barrier of going from your home to into this um, dynamic group environment. So it's to set you up for success. It's to get you to understand the language, um, understand some of the some of the movements, more so to understand our way of doing things. So what the first month is going to look like versus the second month and the third month, which is different at our gym. Um, and understand some of the, the protocols and prescriptions we have in place, like nutrition. So it's our first and um, most important opportunity to get people up to speed quickly. If we didn't have an on-ramp board process, it would take months and months and months of the drip, drip, drip. Mm-hmm. This is our chance to get a bit, the people to fill up the bucket a little bit in a 90-minute session or three-hour sessions, whatever how long these on-ramp processes are, um, to get them a little bit, quote-unquote, on-ramped, which means up to speed. Um, They are not a necessity. You don't need to have them. The beauty of the CrossFit methodology is that you can just start because it is infinitely scalable. But this is the opportunity to get people um, some baseline info quicker. Um, in a more digestible one-on-one format. Got it. Last question we have for today is, what is on the horizon for comp train? What are you excited about given all of the changes inside uh-huh. and around CrossFit? Yeah, so there's uh, there's definitely a lot of things. I'm going to try this in two minutes. But uh, there's a <laughs> lot of um, exciting things happening in CrossFit with the new ownership. Um, I think that, you know, I've said this before, but I think we're going to see a big resurgence, a renaissance, a real um, kind of like, mushroom effect of like, uh, um, around the CrossFit brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super excited about that. Um, inside comp train, uh, we have, my gosh, um, we spent the last year, um, to like 12 to 18 months positioning ourselves for this moment right now mm-hmm. for fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot coming down the pipeline for comp train. Um, uh, we've purposely kind of been it might sound weird, but we've been purposely trying to stay underneath the radar um, to allow ourselves to dial in our products, our services, and this kind of new, again, kind of new wave of what we want to bring out. Um, um, so I'll tease one specifically, mm-hmm. um, which is we've been um, operating on the SugarWad platform mm-hmm. for a long time, basically a third-party app. Um, we are launching our own app oh, nice. um, that will be coming out um um, in the very near future. Um, it allows us to do so much more. Um, we, on, on the, I love Sugar Walk. We're going to continue to use it for CrossFit New England. I'm a big fan of the platform. Um, but for what we want to do is we want to have a relationship and know our users. We want to know, Patrick, if you'd follow CompTrain, I want to know about Patrick. I want to be able to coach 
Patrick. Yeah. We were unable to do that through the, the SugarWatt platform. We are creating our own app so we can do just that. We can create programming for Patrick. We can talk to Patrick. We can follow along with your developments, your goals. We can swing things and sway things and make it more specific to you. Everyone can still do the same programming, but now we can dial this thing in for you specifically. Um, this is the first of many things that is coming down the pipeline that I'm incredibly um, – I'm excited to start getting a little more loud about what mm. we're doing because it's coming to shape. And one of the early questions is pride versus prideful. Yeah. I'm now I'm becoming really proud proud of Comptrain. Very cool. Uh, look forward to seeing that and talking more about it in future episodes. Um, that's what we've got today for our two minute drill. Thank you to everybody who sends us questions. Um, you can find me on Instagram, PS Cummings, and you can just drop me a DM and I will eventually read them and add them to our long list of questions. Um, and we'll do this again soon. We'll see everybody next week. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.